All right. Do you have your character, and yeah. is it Molugutherum? No. No. It's not him. Welcome to Chronically Narnia, the podcast in which my co-host and I discuss the Chronicles of Narnia, chapter by chapter, and today we are discussing chapter 10 of The Silver Chair. This chapter is called Travels Without the Sun. Whoa. I am a nosege of all virtues, as truth, mercy, constancy, gentleness, courage, and the rest. Also known as Kristen. It's a lot. And this is my co-host. I'm Billion. Hi, Billion. (laughs) Also known as Chris. (laughs) Hello, Chris. Not Trillion? No. You're Billion? I'm Billion. All right. Not that other guy. Never heard of him. Yeah, never heard of him. Not Rillion. Anyway, how are you doing? I'm doing well. How are you today? Pretty good. I'm really excited to be going on vacation. I am also excited to be going on vacation. I'm not excited about all the ants that have found their way into the recording space, which I don't know what they're looking for, but there's nothing to eat here, guys. Well, they're all over that plant specifically, so maybe that's why that plant's leaves are being sat. It's eating, the ants are eating it. Yeah, there's nothing missing. It's just, it's just hanging out. Whatever. Anyway, (laughs) we have an invasion in our recording space. At least the ants don't make noise like the planes do. That's true. <laughs> However, on the discussion of anthill noises, yeah, it's exactly what the city sounds like in this book. Apparently. Chapter. Sounds like an anthill. Yep. But we, we have a while before we get to this city, and we have a lot to talk about here. All right. Well, let's get started then. What do we do first? Oh, man. Um, we, we usually summarize the chapter, I think. Is that what we do? Yeah. How do we do that? Uh, we pick five sentences out of the chapter yeah. and read them. Okay. Just to kind of tell the chapter plot in its own words? Yeah. All right. Cool. Uh, would you like to do that first or shall I? Uh, sure, I'll do that first. All right. This was a hard chapter to summarize for me. It was It was an easy chapter to summarize for me, but it was a really hard one to do a rewrite on later. See, we'll see how good my rewrite is. My rewrite I thought was pretty easy, okay. uh, but we'll see, see if it makes any sense. Anyway, here's my summary. Ready, go. March, said the warden, and March they did. And out of that cave, they passed into another, and then into another, and another, and so on, until Jill lost count, but always they were going downhill, and each cave was lower than the last, till the very thought of the weight and depth of the earth above you was suffocating. Oh, you were the Black Knight who never spoke, exclaimed Jill. Those words meant nothing to your purpose. For you must know, sirs, I am a man under most strange afflictions, and none but the Queen's grace would have had patience with me. Alrighty, alrighty. And here is my five-sentence summary. Okay. Make ready now to come with me to the Queen of the Deep Realm. All hope that the speaker had been idly boasting when he spoke of his hundred armed followers died at once. Many come down, and few return to the sunlit lands. Their continued movement made a sort of soft, murmuring noise 
as the ship drew nearer and nearer, but there was not a song or a shout or a bell or the rattle of a wheel anywhere. I have seen you two fair children and this your strange governor before. Okay. Yeah, I had the choice, like, I feel like I had the choice of either focusing on, like, the environment and the strange folk down there and, like, this journey or focusing on the knight and their encounter with him. Because I feel like I couldn't do both in five sentences. I don't know. I feel so, like you did both because you included the sent like the room yeah. to room to room and yeah. the and the volume of earth over their heads yeah. thing. There's a lot I left out. There's a lot that happens I left out, which I just didn't feel like is is important to the plot. We'll discuss that and find out later. Anyway, they're underground. Yes, they are. And so that voice that we were left with at the end of the last chapter is the cliffhanger. Mm-hmm. Uh warns them that he's got a hundred armed men with him yeah and does in fact light a light and prove that he is telling the truth he does he's the warden so they they encounter this group of people they do encounter quite a crew don't they they do uh and these are all very different looking folk so it says in the book here referring to the text uh, they were of that. they were of all sizes, from little gnomes barely a foot high to stately figures taller than men. Uh, they were all dreadfully pale, but apart from that, they were very different. Some had tails, and others didn't. Some wore great beards. Some had round, smooth faces as big as pumpkins. Some had long, pointed noses and long, soft noses like small trunks and great blobby noses. Some had horns in the middle of their foreheads. Uh, but in, in one respect, they were all the same. They were all sad. They were all looked very sad. Very sad. Very sad indeed. So, who are these people? What do you think their deal is? Um, I think that they, many come down and few return to the sunlit lands. Yeah. So, I, I got a lot to get into in my baseless speculation, but I feel like we could touch on a few of these things here. Like, you do know, we think... I think that this is a very interesting group here. I'm sorry, I cut you off. No. Uh, I mean, do we think that these are all people from the overworld? I don't know. Because when we encounter this repeated mantra of many come down and few return to the sunlit lands, as we encounter this mantra over and over again, it's more in the revelation of creatures and rulers that have come down from above and are now sleeping and they will wake at the end of the age. Yeah. Um, So I feel a little more like these people that we're actually encountering right now are residents here who who grew up here. Mm-hmm. But also, like, I don't know if there's an original under people. Like, I, th- yeah. I feel like everyone here is a descendant, and that's why there's so many different appearances yeah. of people and things that fell down from above. Yeah. Well, they're Charnians, obviously, but... Possibly. <laughs> um... Yeah, so there's this whole group of people. They're very diverse. They're all holding pitchforks out. No, they're not. They're holding three-pronged spears. Okay. <laughs> there's tridents, or there's only tridents when they're underwater. And all. What's the difference between a trident and a pitchfork? Uh, the, 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 the hooks. <laughs> the, the prongs at the end. Ah. A pitchfork is straight, and a trident has barbs, if I recall correctly. Makes a lot of sense. All right. Anyway... So they get threatened, and the warden, the leader of the Earthmen, is just like, all right, come with us. We got to go see the queen, because she's going to know what to do with you. 
uh, and her will isn't to be questioned, it's just to be obeyed. It's interesting that, like, as soon as someone shows up in the realm, they're taken to the queen. Uh-huh. Like, and- that, that feels like a very hands-on uh, ruler. <laughs> yeah, except he's Over- not here. Overbearing, maybe. Yeah, overbearing. Also, Any, anyone who just wanders into her realm gets imprisoned until she can see them. Yeah. And she has to see them. Yeah. I mean, also, the speed at which this army shows up. Like, they fall down the hill and, like, don't seem like they're down there for I very mean, long. they fell for a while. Yeah. It's not, it's not like there wasn't any attention being drawn. Yeah. But, like, how many entrances are there into the in the underworld here? Like... Uh, who knows? This <laughs> may be one of, like, four. Yeah. This may be the most common they fell down at entrance. Possibly. Don't see any giants down here, though. We do. Kind of, sort of. Kind of, sort of. But, like, in this group that, that finds them, there aren't any giants there. Oh, well, there are many that are bigger than men. Uh-huh. So. Maybe those are the, the Numenorians. Uh, <laughs> and they're not the Charnians, for sure. Yeah. Anyway. So, uh, they're marching, they're marching, they're marching, and then we take a long journey through the, the Underdark here. And we encounter Jill's claustrophobia. We encounter Jill's claustrophobia, uh, and she really doesn't want to go through this tiny hole in a cave, which... To be fair, I identify with. I wouldn't either. Yeah. But Eustace is like, imagine how I felt on the hill. Yeah. (laughs) So he's still bringing that up. Oh, yeah. Maybe getting pushed off the cliff. Uh, Anyway, she works through it. Hooray. She goes, she squeezes through the hole along with the other two. Exciting. Uh, And then they come out into a very, very large cavern. Uh, Very underdarky. And this is a large cavern full of, like, strange mushroom trees and, like, bioluminescent fungi and mosses. Glow lichen. Glow lichen. And all of these sleeping critters. Yes. They, they will wake at the end. M- many come down and few return to the sunlit lands. Yeah. And, and Scrub very pointedly asks, like, hey, Well, they, they're they- not sure if they're sleeping yeah. or dead to yeah. some point. And he says, are they born here? Yeah, are they native? And they're just like, nope, these are all from the overworld. Which I find it very curious that uh, Puddleglum didn't know what any of these were. Well, and that's where my question comes up is like these things that are sleeping. Uh-huh. These are the ones that they're saying, "Oh, these are from the underdark, but there are or these are from the overworld." Yeah. But they're all sleeping. Yeah. And even when we see Father Time, old Father Time, we will encounter him as well, gianter than a giant, yeah. sleeping down here. Mhm. And they say they say they will wake at the end of the age or the end of time. Uh-huh. But, like, does that mean that these underground people that they're interacting with right the now, Earthmen. the Earthmen, that the Earthmen are native here and that all of these sleeping critters from the overworld are the ones that are non-native? Yeah. And are the kids looking at their fate? Are they going to be put to sleep here until the end of the age? I don't know. I mean, we don't see any sleeping humanoids of any kind specifically so, i don't know yeah it's all it's all these animals and also well if you count father time as a humanoid i guess yeah he's bigger than a giant uh but all these things find their way down here and are sleeping and uh they're there till the end of time theoretically yep cool uh so is this purgatory i got i got maybe because they are gonna cross a body of water yes in the ship uh-huh is this sticks? Are they going down into 
Yeah, okay, okay. I was going to save some of this, but there's just so much here. I feel like we have to talk about it now. Um, yeah. Father Time is sleeping in the Underdark. Yeah, I mean, I and feel like... awake at the end of time, they say. I feel like I harped on a lot um, in Voyage of the Dawn Treader about them going through, like, the layers of hell, and it was the whole, like, Dante's Inferno allegory and et cetera, et cetera. And I feel like I've shifted a little bit into that um, more so from the idea of them going through layers of hell and to them going through various temptations and overcoming sin on their way to heaven. Mm-hmm. And, like, this purification process that they go through, uh, as it, you know, which is exemplified by Ramondu and, you know, yeah, on absolutely. the island. So this whole thing. Here I feel like we're definitely in some kind of underworld like in a in a mythical sense like Mm -hmm. whether it's hell itself or not is up for debate but there's so much of the imagery here we're like oh everything is sleeping and this is a very dark place and everybody's very depressed and suffering like all the denizens here are wielding these pitchforks uh which is very like common demonic imagery uh there's the boat ride across the dark river which is like you know, obviously very symbolic of the River Styx. Which may or may not have been days long. It was like a sea yeah. that they crossed. Yeah, we don't know how long they were on the sea down there. Uh, we, you know, we have, you know, this very repeated thing of people find their way down and nobody comes back. Uh, you know, the imagery of the queen of this place is, you know, ostensibly the Lady of the Green Kirtle. We don't know that for sure until the end of the chapter. Yeah. But, like... Queen of this place is Lady of the Green Kirtle, who, if we're assuming, is the same creature as the snake in the beginning of the story. Mm-hmm. Like, very satanic imagery. Yeah. So, like, yeah, there's a lot there. There is. It's probably hell. It's probably hell. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. And, you know, we're in a space of Narnia where, like, Aslan's country is just, like, over the edge of the world. Like, heaven is a physical place you can travel to. My so, question, though, there is, is is the city hell after they've crossed the water? And those that are sleeping here, like Old Father Time, yeah, are they in purgatory? Are they sleeping until the end of time? And they will come back at the end of time in order to... Face judgment. Yeah, or... Yeah. Or to then be able to travel to Aslan's country because they've gone through this purification in purgatory. Yeah. Also, what's Father Time's deal? Yeah, what the heck? <laughs> Why is Father Time down here? What Bro, is that? What you doing here? What does that mean? Don't know. Is is time on hold? Is that why they've gone through thousands of years without <laughs> getting some more technology? Well, that was kind of my thought. Is it's like is this does this have something to do with why from an earth perspective time doesn't pass in Narnia? Or time does Oh, why why while they're there time doesn't pass yes. on earth? Yes. Because the opposite is true. When they're on Earth, time is all over the place in Narnia. Yes. Could be a year, could be 50 years, could be a thousand But anytime somebody goes back to Earth from Narnia, no time has passed. Yeah. It's Father Time sleeping in Narnia. He's taking a nap. Yeah, there's there's a lot of stuff. We find a lot of interesting stuff underground. Uh, A lot of questions. A lot of questions. He should write a book to explain this. Yeah, he should. Because... That will break down all of the wonder we're currently experiencing. <laughs> Very much so. Anyway. So they pass the critters. The critters. 
The creatures. Uh, they pass Father Time and they get on this magical boat ride. Is it magical though? Um, probably not. They get on a really depressing boat ride uh, and they go across the Starless Sea. Yes, mm-hmm. they do. They they want to sail a Starless Sea and breathe the haunted air. It's They're just traveling the whole thing. through dark hallways. I wasn't going to go there. I was no. going to go very Starless Sea imagery because, you know, they go to a harbor. They do go to a harbor. Uh-huh. That's, that's valid. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, they spend many, possibly days, possibly hours, we don't know, on this boat ride. Uh, they get fed very bland, floppy pancakes. <laughs> um, and they spend so long in the boat that they feel, you know... They depart from the pale beaches. Yeah. I, do, I just, I don't know, I really liked that imagery, that, that description of their mm. departure from the pale beaches. Yes. To go to the city. Yeah. I don't know, it's very evocative. Uh, and it says, The worst thing about it was that you began to feel as if you had always lived on that ship in that darkness and to other, wonder whether the sun and blue skies and wind and birds had not only been only a dream. Yeah. And so this is this also is very... This is the rem- wood between the worlds. Yes, this is very reminiscent of that idea. Mm-hmm. And that, I don't know, that kind of echoes the idea that this is a a place between places, if that makes sense. Yeah. So, like, this this isn't anywhere. It is just a transitional point. Yeah. Uh, so, like, that adds to the metaphor. Like, this could be the river sticks between purgatory or the overworld and, and the underworld like yeah. it's a transitional place where you begin to forget your life it's possible above. and that's a thing that uh is i want to say an idea that exists within greek mythology is that the tormented souls that are in hades basically don't fully remember who they are and it's this idea of, like, it's a place that strips away your identity. Yeah, I don't know. And I think that's that's something that I've encountered before. But uh, we'd have to do more research on that. Hmm. You would. But anyway, they cross the sea, they come to a big harbor, uh, and they start to see the city of the Earthmen. Ah. That is way too quiet. Because they're just shuffling about like ants. It is. It's really quiet. There's no, like, like I said in my summary... There's no bells, there's no shouts, there isn't even the rattling of wheels. Yeah. But there's just ton there's tons and tons of earth people moving around here. They can see it as they get closer that this is a bustling port. Hustle and bustle. That there's warehouses and that there's shipping and that there's yeah. markets and stuff, but it's just quiet. Yeah. So that's I don't know, what do we what do we think that means? Like we know they're all very sad. Like, is it, are they just, like, joyless and lifeless, and that's why there's no noise here? I don't know. Like, I mean, the other thing is, like, are they not just the Earth? Like, are they of the Earth, and this is what they are representing? Like, mm-hmm. they're, they're firm civilization that just, they move when they need to move, and they mm-hmm. do what they need to do, and that's all they're there. Are these the nameless things gnawing at the underside of the Earth that, uh, Gandalf talks about in uh, Under Moria. No, 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 no. <laughs> Wrong mythos. <laughs> anyway, so they dock at this city, and they yeah. get marched through it, uh, climb a bunch of staircases, and then they see something joyous, and they see actual light, not this gray, dim, weird light 
cast by whatever magical thing. Well, I think it's glow-like and light, but... Uh-huh. But it's like they make it with some sort of explosion in the beginning of the chapter. Well, anything from... Well, anything from complete darkness to some light, it feels like an explosion to your eyes. Whoa. Whoa, dude. Uh, but they see real light. They see a soft and yellowish warm light. Firelight is from what like they a, see. That's... From such a lamp as humans use. Uh, and it's inside an archway. And they're just like, all right, going to go up there. They speak the password to the gnomes guarding this entrance. Uh, and they... Well, you're saying, hey, yay, they see bright light. They're going to go do it. The three of them see the bright light. They have no choice about oh, where yeah. they're going. They're like, going. they are being led. Yes. And they happen to be being led towards that light that they wanted to go to anyway. How fortuitous. Uh, but then they also hear something, like, just amazing and beautiful. And it's a human voice. What? Because these creatures down here, the Earthmen, apparently have very flat, gravelly, haha, voices. Wow. That have no life to them. Wow. I know. I, I think that they're described less so as gravelly and more so as just, like, sad. But, yeah. Okay. So they hear a human voice. Yes. Uh, they hear a... Oh, oh, we've skipped something that delighted me. Oh, what's that? Uh, Puddle Glum says that these are the kind of people that he needs to spend more time with. Oh, obviously. Because like they'll help him be more. Yeah, he's way too positive and cheerful and like he needs to hang out with these guys and they'll teach him to be more down to earth. <laughs> so while on the subject of being more down to earth, uh-huh. Puddle Glum yes. is a marsh wiggle. Yes. He dresses like the mud. He uh-huh. smokes the mud. He's very much in tune with the earth. Yeah. Is he related to these earthmen? <sighs> There's very much a similarity of culture, of this structure of, of like, somberness. Uh-huh. And there's also, like, a very intense, tight relationship with the earth. Yeah. And they're very different from, say, the owls. Uh-huh. Who are like, we're going to help you with this thing because it's noble and honorable versus I'm going to help you with this thing because, yeah, we should do that. And also it'll be good for me to get more somber. (laughs) Yeah. I guess so. Like, I don't know. I mean, I think maybe they're related in so much as like any native Narnian life is related. But I just think that it's interesting that this association with the earth has such a very side-by-side representation in like the way that the descriptions are of the clothing and of the dress and of the attitudes yeah also the black dwarves you know have a very similar kind of like dour outlook on things not the red dwarves no which are the ones that live underground mostly they both live underground in the mythos right yeah but anyway continue uh, so anyway, and so they hear a human voice who is talking to uh, Melugutherum. Melugutherum. Yep. Melugutherum is, of course, a name with four U's in it. Yep. Just is that symbolic? Wondering. No. <laughs> uh, but anyway, he tells Melugutherum to bring them up, over, overworlders. Got to same immediately. Yep. And they go up there, uh, and they go into a really beautiful, richly tapestried room, 
and see with, a young man. With something wrong with his face. Something wrong with his face. Young man with fair hair, something wrong with his face. Uh, but he was handsome. And this is the part that really got to me. Uh, he looked a little bit like Hamlet. Now, mm. Hamlet, as you might know, is a stage production. It's a written play. Oh, yeah? Uh, and I don't know who originally played Hamlet in Shakespeare's first run of this. Uh, but I'm pretty sure that C.S. Lewis doesn't know what he looked like. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that <laughs> nobody knows who that looks like at all. Yeah. And since then, Hamlet's been played by thousands and thousands of people who all look very different. Regardless of that, though, (laughs) there is, this is not, this is more about his frame of mind than it is about his physical appearance, I think. Uh Uh-huh. Because Hamlet is disturbed deeply by something, Mm -hmm. some knowledge that he has and some, some need some drive deep inside him that yeah. is insane to to everyone. Uh huh. On paper, he's crazy. Yeah, looks a uh, looks a little off for sure. On paper, his dead dad came and talked to him. So yeah, Hamlet, crazy, and I think that this I think that this statement is made to reflect a a personality and an appearance of worrying back like story uh-huh. more so than it is meant to describe any physical appearance so yeah. uh and he does come off as very jovial though possibly yeah. ensorcelled and very much uh jill wishes he would stop laughing yep uh but he does say hey was it not you three that met me by the bridge at the borders of ettensmore oh you were the one in the black knight who wouldn't talk yeah there we go he was black knight uh, so I know this is baseless speculation territory, but, uh, kind of feel like I was right here. So I'm pretty sure this is Rillian. He's never heard of him, though. Yeah, never heard of him. Trillian. Uh, Brillian. Billion. What's his name? Billion. billion. Yeah, my billion. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, this is obviously some sort of ensorcelled Rillian. Um. Why do you say obviously? He does not know who Rillian is. He's never heard of Narnia. <laughs> yes, but at the same time, like... Hey, he got found by the green lady. She's promised him power and riches and her hand in marriage. We know Rillian was enamored by her. Like it it's very fitting. So oh. we're just gonna we're just gonna make this assumption that I was right about the Black Knight being Rillian. Is that what we're gonna do now? Uh why didn't he talk back then though? That's my question. Like obviously he's real chatty now. Yeah. So he was completely silent on the bridge though, so that's fascinating. Yep. Hmm. Hmm. Fascinating. Um, anywho, so he wants to fight Scrub because he, you know, questions the lady's honor. Because well, obviously because the lady she, would never do anything she, He asks why she sent them off to the giants that planned to eat them. Yeah. Which is a valid question. Yeah. However, it is absolutely impugning the honor of his lady. It is. And uh, were he older, he would have engaged in fist cuffs or something. Don't yeah, know. He would have battled them to the death is what he says. Yeah. Uh, and then Jill blurts out that they're trying to find Rillian, and Knight's just like, yeah, don't know who that is. You're barking up the wrong tree. And then they're just like, but we have instructions. We're sent on a mission from God to, you know, find the city ruinous, and we saw this, you know, thing that said under me and this whole thing. And the Knight laughs really loudly at this, and it's just like, no, you've been deceived. Oh, yeah. 
And yeah, I definitely would think that. Because, like, what the actual whole message says is, though under earth and throneless now I be, yet while I lived, all earth was under me, which is an epithet to some old giant king and has nothing to do, obviously, with a message. Absolutely not. So that does answer a big question that I had, at least, from previous chapters as to why the giants would carve under me. Yeah. Uh, so makes sense that it would be part of a larger message. Yep. So... And that's all that's left of it. Yeah. I didn't quite get there, and I feel a little silly because I didn't come up with that theory on my own. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the knight's just like, yep, obviously wasn't meant for you, et cetera, et cetera. Puddle Glum's like, nonsense, and it was, and our all-knowing Aslan can obviously use this to be a sign because he knew this was all going to happen, and et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, I mean, because, you know, predestination. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, but he's, you know, Aslan's a long liver. Yep, he's a long liver, as is the knight's lady. Yes. Who was around back then, who was a, you know, knight says, very shrewd frog face. Like, out of nowhere just insults Puddle Glum. <laughs> like, he's been pretty cordial this entire time, except for, like, you know, challenging the honor of, or challenging a scrub because of the honor of his lady. But then out of nowhere, it's just like, yeah, screw you, frog man. For- <laughs> No reasons, which seemed weirdly hostile. Uh, but anyway, she, he says, She is of divine race and knows neither age nor death. Which is kind of another thing pointing toward the whole, like, devil metaphor. Mm-hmm. It's like she's some otherworldly divine being who has fallen down here. Uh, and it's just like, yeah, well, she's promised me all this stuff. Uh, kingdom in the Overland, her hand in marriage, etc., etc., but it's a long story. Hey, everybody, sit down, have some drinks. We'll go over it. You there, bring us some drinks. Yep. And and Jill has to sit in a special chair. <laughs> Does she? Uh, he says, please uh, be seated, gentlemen. And then separately says, little maiden, sit in this chair. So he's got his own little chair for Jill for whatever reason. I think that's more about him, like, <laughs> pulling out a chair for her. Maybe. And being respectful and all of that. Uh, you shall hear it all. And he says and he's going to fill him in in this story and, you know. All the stuff about his lady yep. while we wait for her to get back from whatever errand she's on right now. Yeah. Which apparently uh, she doesn't take the night with her all the time. Apparently she's... she does not. Hmm. Curious. Fascinating. Cool. So that's what happens. Uh, anything we want to... I know there's a lot of weird stuff in this chapter, but anything there's we need to... a lot of weird stuff in this chapter. Anything we really need to dive into and discuss more? Um, I, th- I don't have anything else written down. I wrote down um, the stuff about Father Time. This uh-huh. idea of waking at the end of the world that they keep talking about. Yeah. This idea that many come down and few return to the sunlit lands kind of like over and over again. That people have before. Yeah. It's o- been, it's obviously they have. When it, but if they say few return. Yeah. It's obviously an effort that some people put in. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, this imagery of the ship and the pale beaches and possibly sticks or some other mythology mm-hmm. um yeah those are the main things i wanted to touch on so i feel like we've at least touched on all of the things that i wanted to cool i'm gonna keep repeating that phrase touched on we've touched on we've at least brought up all of the things i wanted to talk about okay okay um i think that there's an interesting stretching of time here or possibly condensing of time mm-hmm. that we don't actually know how long they're on the boat yeah. Because they sleep and they wake and they eat and they sleep and they wake and they eat. Yeah. 
and it's and it's not really like confirmed and when you're in an area with no light without the sun yeah there's lots of studies that show what kind of weird sleep cycle and time dilation and all of this stuff like what happens to the human body in a in a sun deprived environment and it's longer day cycles and it's interesting like I mean, they've also had a lot of adventure, and they're probably really tired, so maybe they're just taking a series of, like, power naps. Possibly, and too. This, and this is a two-and-a-half-hour boat ride. Maybe. <laughs> so. Or it could be days. Like, I don't know. You don't know. We don't know. How long can they row? The rowers, the rowers keep on rowing. There's no earthly way of knowing which direction they are going. Yeah. They're showing no signs. Sorry, I'm not going to do the entire thing. Um, <laughs> Slowing. Mm-hmm. It's my single favorite part in the Willy Wonka film. <laughs> um, anyway. So that was, that's what happens there. That's my baseless speculation. The Green Lady is actually Willy Wonka. This is a chocolate factory. They're, is it they're really? all Oompa Loompas. Um, these are the Oompa Loompas. <laughs> these are the Oompa Loompas. Wow. Well, what an idea. Mm-hmm. Some of them have no toes, though. We didn't talk about their feet. Yeah, some have 10 toes, some have 12, some have none. How do you walk without toes? Well, I mean... How does a bipedal creature walk without toes? Like, I feel like that just can't be done. Like, anything that's bipedal has toes. I don't know. You're asking (laughs) me, like, I should know how this kind of... I mean, this isn't a toe biology podcast. No, it's not. (laughs) Um, This is not a toe anatomy podcast. Yeah. Anywho... So I think it's time for us to move on to our uh, rewrites. Let's do that. Okay. So at this point, Chris and I will read our rewrites. They're over there. As we were reading through the chapters, we also pulled out five sentences to try to tell a new story with this chapter's words. Mm -hmm. Um, And this is a creative exercise. Sometimes it reveals a little bit more about the general impressions we got of the book chapter than we expected, and sometimes it doesn't. Uh Uh-huh. So I'm going to go ahead and read mine first since you read your summary first. Go for it. Who's there? shouted the three travelers. I don't know, said the voice. Welcome, overworlders, he cried. Many sink down to the underworld. Do they grow here? Scrub asked the warden. So I was trying really hard to put Scrub in the role of one of the underworld. Okay. And Scrub being the one encountering the overworlders for the first time, being uh-huh. like, but do they grow here? Okay. Okay. Oh, I don't know. You struggled with that one, you yeah. said. I, this one was difficult because everything that I started doing was just retelling. Like, I was just summarizing yeah. or retelling this chapter's events. Yeah, I mean, when, over whenever... Over again. Yeah, whenever there's a chapter with, like, a lot of very specific or long sentences that are reference specific events, it's hard to rewrite them. Yeah. Uh, I think I came up with something, so... Go ahead and do this. Yeah, you should. Okay. Here's mine. The children huddled close together on each side of Puddleglum. This guide of yours must be a long liver, friend, said the knight with another of his laughs. Well, said Puddleglum, rubbing his hands, that is old Father Time, who was once a king in Overland, said the warden. I have never heard the name. Interesting. Okay. So, okay. 
This is my take on Padawan being something other than what he claims to be. Yes, and he is serving mm-hmm. old yeah. father time. Yeah. Who was once a king in the Overland. Yeah. There you go. So. We also have an inconsistency of terms. Okay. We have older overworld. We have sunlit lands. We have... Overland. Overland. We have the underworld. We have, like, earth people. Like, we have a Mm -hmm. lot of different terminology. Yeah. Consistent lack of consistency throughout this chapter. I mean, it makes sense. There's just different terms. Yeah, there's different terms, but, like... Usually within a fantasy setting, if there is an underworld and an overworld, everyone uses the same terms consistently for both of those. Uh-huh. But like the overworld is not just the overworld. It's also the sunlit land and all of these different things. Like, yeah. Cool. That's, I don't know. So, yeah, it was a hard chapter to rewrite and we both did subpar jobs. But. Yep. <laughs> we did. Anywho, should we move on to our last segment here? Absolutely. What's our last segment, my love? Uh, So this is Baseless Speculation, where uh, I have never read this book before. I have no prior knowledge of the plot or anything that's going to happen. So I baselessly speculate what's going to happen next. You still have no spoilers. I still have no spoilers. I have no idea how this book ends. Excellent. Yeah. Uh, So we're we're two-thirds of the way through the book now, and it gets harder and harder to come up with things that make sense. And so this is where I tend to get silly. Uh, but so we got into a little bit, uh, a little bit of this in the chapter that this is obviously some sort of, uh, hell analog. Uh, this is the underworld and I don't know that, that being said, I don't want to just say this is the exact same story as Voyage of the Dawn Treader. Because I feel like Voyage of the Dawn Treader, we have this idea of them sailing out to the east and going through all these trials and tribulations and the temptations of the world before reaching, like, Aslan's country in the afterlife, which nobody but Reaper Chief gets to go to anyway. Even though everybody went through the same trials that he did. Oh, yeah. well. Uh, and I don't want to say this is just the same story of, oh, hey, they go through trials and tribulations going up through the north, and then they have to go through hell itself and, like, bring somebody back from it, and et cetera, et cetera. I, and though that would be a fun mirror of the story, where, like, in Voyage of the Dawn Treader, they had to leave somebody behind, and this one, they have to bring somebody back from the end. Yeah. So, could be fun, uh, but I also want it to be a different story than that. Whew. Um... So I think I have to rescind my idea that the people living down here are Charnians. Uh, it's because really? I think it makes more sense within the context that these are all people from the overworld and, like, makes sense in the metaphor that, like, hey, these are people that found their way down here. These are people that are quote-unquote dead. They're in the underworld of all different stripes and varieties. Uh, and they are just down here waiting and suffering and being sad uh, until the end of time when they're all released and judged and whatever. Um, why the animals are down here, I don't know. They fell. Yeah. They'll wake like, at the end of time. Yeah, that's a that's a thing I don't... What if they're talking animals? They might be. I, I think it's very curious that uh, Puddle Glum doesn't know what any of these are. Like, these are animals he's never seen before. Hmm. And he's a he's a man of the land. Like he he knows a that's, thing or two see, about. See, that's not like a sentence or a phrase that stood out to me at all, and it yeah. really impacted you. It, it did impact like, me because it is like these are from the overworld. Yet Puddleglum is not aware of them. Like I'm not saying Puddleglum is an expert on all Narnian biology, but I don't know. 
it does seem interesting. Okay. Uh, that maybe these are creatures from another time entirely. Maybe these are things that are basically extinct on the overworld that yeah, have come down here. That's the impression I get. Yeah. Is that if they're going to wake at the end of the world. Yeah. That they're. Yeah. Time works differently here because Father Time is sleeping. How'd Father Time find his way down here, too? That's. That's my question. I don't know. Maybe Father Time fell like a star. Mm hmm. So, anyway, I'm going to say the weird folk aren't um, people from Charn. They're just people who found their way down here. Why a bunch of them are deformed in some way, I don't know, because I feel like these aren't necessarily all races of people that have lived in Narnia or thereabouts in the overworld. And a lot of this has come from, like, maybe mutation or deformity. Maybe these are descendants of people that have found their way down. And, like, you know, there's a little bit from both theories that are right. And, like, these, you know, whatever race of people has been down here for a thousand years and like with interbreeding and whatnot they have all these weird deformities who knows or maybe there's something about like the underdark itself that deforms them slowly over time possibly it's just some kind of weird energy down here yeah it also saps their will to live uh and then of course the other question is what's the what's the lady doing down here? Why is she ruling this place? Like I mean this is the deep realm. This is her realm. It's the deep realm. She's the queen here. Yeah. <sighs> Why does she want Rillian? Like I'm going to I'm going to continue saying that the, the one in black is actually Rillian. And now that he's described as wearing black clothing, I'm also going to say he's the one on the cover of the book attacking the green lady once he comes out of his spell. Okay. Like Okay. Uh, we're going to make that declaration as well. Um, looking like Hamlet over here. Doesn't say if his hair is blonde or not. So that's still up for debate. Didn't it describe his hair? Uh, Pretty sure it described his hair. Let's look. Young man with fair hair. Okay, yep. there you go. So, yeah, sure. We're going to say that's him on the co cover. And they've got to break the spell on him somehow. Uh, he hasn't fit one of the signs yet. They did uh, the last sign they're looking for is that whoever the, the one they're looking for is going to be the first person that asked him to do something in the name of Aslan. Correct. So he has not done that in this chapter. So yeah, can't definitively say that it's Rillian. Correct. He also uh, doesn't know who Aslan is. Yep, yeah, or Rillian or Narnia. Yep. So can't be him. <laughs> Obviously not. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. I don't know what else I got here other than like. I was previously wrong, and these are people from Narnia that have come down here and are being tormented somehow. Uh, yeah. Cool. Hmm. I'm gonna say the Green Lady comes back in the next chapter, maybe. Okay. We hear something from her. Yeah. Alright. Well, there you go. Anything yeah. else that you want to talk about? Uh... No, I just, I, I feel like there's a thread that I really need to follow with Father Time, but, like, I don't want to get real into it, so. Okay. You think that, uh, Tumnus banished Father Time? <laughs> Obviously. Obviously. Uh -huh. What if Tumnus is here, sleeping yeah. till I, the end of the world? No, I mean, no, I can't, I can't include Tumnus in my baseless speculation anymore, because this is just a fact of the series. Uh, <laughs> this has been confirmed to be the story behind the whole thing. Oh, Absolutely. So, anyway. Alrighty. Well, thank you so much for joining us today, listeners. And if you want to put in your two cents about why Father Time is sleeping in the Underdark, 
You can do that at Chronically Podcast on Facebook and Instagram, at Chronically Pod on Twitter, or you can email us your fan art of the dark sea uh, under the world mm-hmm. at chronicallypodcast at gmail.com. Yeah. Also, if you want to send us some money, you can do that at patreon.com slash chronicallypodcast and get nothing in return except the knowledge that we care about you and we appreciate you. Yeah. And if you are, if you ever find yourself in the underworld and a warden tells you what to do, you should go with what he says because he's got an army. Follow Mm -hmm. instructions. Yeah. And don't wake up father time, I guess. (laughs) Don't wake him up. It'll be the end of the world. Yep. All right. Sure. Until next time. See ya. Bye. So they passed the critters. The critters. The critters. They encounter this group of people. Planes? No, I said people. Planes? Bees? Bees? <laughs> now they're all holding pitchforks. They're all holding pitchforks. But also, like, I don't know if there is an origin. That was weird. I don't know if there's an original. I guess you know we're humans and we can't coexist with other creatures in our space. Well, not not in a snacky space, no. Yeah. Anywho. This is a snacky space. <laughs> Remember when we went to that place that was really depressing? Yep. That's where Steinbeck's from. Uh-huh. That one place that we've ever been that was just really depressing. Yep, only the one. Hello, and welcome to Chronically Narnia!